back in the day, Pinterest, there was like a meme that was like, if you're a millionaire and you don't have a, a secret door, what are you even doing? Which is like really funny, but I'm also like, you don't have to be a millionaire. <laughs> like that's, that, that does not equate that. And I think a lot of times people are so like obsessed with like resell value that they don't, we all just end up being living in beige boxes, you know? And I'm like, if you are into something, somebody else is going to be into that. And I'm like, there's hundreds of beige boxes on the internet for rent or for sale, but there's not houses shaped like ships, you know? So you'll find your people. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Launch Boom podcast. LaunchBoom is an organization that's helped founders test and launch their products, raising over $100 million on Kickstarter in Indiegogo. In this podcast, we explore a variety of subjects in addition to crowdfunding, including habits, mental models, and how to squeeze the most out of life. First, let me introduce you to Kevin Liang, our host and LaunchBoom's very own product launch director. Kevin is a serial inventor and the creator of seven Kickstarter and Indiegogo campaigns, raising over $1.8 million in funding. Kevin is also a biohacker, Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner, and an Airbnb host based out of San Francisco, California. Without further ado, here's Kevin. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast today. We have uh, Christy, Christy Wolf is a Airbnb super host and the creator of some of the most iconic stays on airbnb.com. Christy has built her first tiny house in 2011, way ahead of the curve as a social experiment to live a little bit more simply. And from there, she's handcrafted one of kind experiences like her tree house in Hawaii, an underground hobbit home um, in Washington, a fire lookout in Idaho panhandle, and even a potato hotel in her hometown of Boise, Idaho. Her properties have been featured on major publications such as Dwell, Sunset, and Today.com. Christy is currently launching a new property with LaunchBoom using crowdfunding as well, and we'll get into that. Welcome, Christy, to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Actually, took that introduction from uh, your own site as social experiments in 2011 to live more simply. What, what does living more simply mean to you? And uh, what's, tell us a little bit more about the backstory behind that and what gave you the idea to do that. Well, so some backstory is I used to pick something every year to give up as kind of a social experiment. So I had done no sugar for a year. That was the hardest or basically no sweet. You know, there's sugar in everything, but no sweets for a year. I was pescatarian for like three years. I finally broke that when I was, a forced landing in Fargo, North Dakota in a snowstorm and some people took me out and they had ordered pizza and I just couldn't say like, I'm a vegetarian. So I, I broke that three-year deal by eating pepperoni pizza. And so I kind of had just picked something to take away and I already never drank alcohol. Like I don't have a lot of bad habits. So there wasn't like a lot of things for me to give up and I was kind of running out of experiments. So the one that led me to the tiny house and then this career that I'm in now was to live simply in this tiny house. I don't feel like I have a lot of things, but once you move into 97 square feet, <laughs> you'll you'll be surprised at how many things you have. So I built not a fancy tiny house like what you see now. This was very much like a shed on wheels. 
It cost me $3,000. Everything was used. Free insulation. Because I get a lot of backlash of people being like, there's no way you can build this for $3,000. I'm like, when you have to like shake out rat droppings from the insulation, you can build something for $3,000. So I did it just on the weekends, like after my nine to five job. And in a month I had, you know, this little to live in. And back then tiny houses weren't like well known. And so I was only going to do it as this year experiment on like minimalism, essentially. And I had to find like a tree farm that they had a couple RV rental places. And I had to like bring pictures to this old couple and tell them, I don't have an RV. I have a tiny house. Like, this is what it looks like. And finally convinced them to let me stay there. Well, I think I had probably lived in it for maybe two weeks. And where my other experiments, it was a struggle, you know, is is a difficult thing. There couldn't be anything easier than this. It just like totally suited me. And so instead of a challenge, I was like, oh, this is how I want to live. Um, so I had signed a year lease there, but I almost instantly started looking for a permanent place for my tiny home. And that's when I bought my first piece of land. So after that year was up, it's actually the land that the Potato Hotel is on now. And it's like a miserable piece of dirt, or it was on the edge of town. Like nobody from Boise thinks that this is in Boise. There's six residents out there right next to a, a train tracks and the National Guard. And I bought, man, it was probably like a quarter of an acre, maybe a little bit more for $5,000. Moved my house out there, off grid. Grid was the opposite of the living in a small space. Living off grid was quite challenging. I moved like during the hottest streak on record back in 2011 and I had like no power, no water. And I was like, what did I do? But when I moved out there in my little shed and again, like nobody knew what the heck was going on. Like they, the military people driving out there thought it was like a coffee shack or like a burrito stand and be like, this is my house. Actually, you're in my bedroom. <laughs> I was like, no, this is where I live. And so doing that, I had kind of eliminated my bills. I had done factory work basically up until this point, shift work, hourly pay, and I only would buy cars. I've only had two vehicles that have cost me more than $500. And that's a recent thing where I had to have four wheel drive and a truck when I bought a fire lookout up a mountain. So I would buy these really cheap cars. Now I had a house that I didn't have any bills for. So I basically had a cell phone and insurance and you know, I was probably making like $13 an hour or something back then. And that kind of just doing that led me into all of this of like, oh, I think I could do this again. You know, even though I don't make a lot of money, I made my bills be nothing. That's an incredible story, Christy. And so what about um, this like minimalism uh, and the simplicity like kept you want to continue doing that? I feel like for some people, for me particularly, it was like really freeing. I'm super messy. I hate chores. I hate cleaning. And with not having any stuff, it was like really easy to clean up. Um, really just like you, I think you don't realize all of your things and the weight on your shoulders that it carries because you, you've never not had it. So when I got rid of all those things that I was like, I might use it someday, it was just, it just felt so good. And feel like I needed to be home taking care of XYZ, the lawn or the 
house or the whatever because it's so small. Right. And what is your living situation like now? Like, where are you right now? Good question. I say I live out of my truck now, so it's even less square footage. But I do have a tiny home in Boise. I'm rarely there. So I'm home about a third of the year in like two, three day increments. And then I'm usually living on a build somewhere. So right now I'm in Salmon, Idaho at this property that is called the Shipwreck House. Um, and it was building was here. I call it a shipwreck because it looked like it got hit by a cannonball. <laughs> but somebody built this house in like the 60s and it's shaped like a ship. It's on this beautiful high mountain lake in Idaho. And now since I've done so many weird things, people will send me odd properties. So a friend had sent this to me and I was like, I'm going to go check that out. So a ship wasn't on the list of builds I wanted to do, but I mean, the view's incredible. It's built kind of over the lake. So you couldn't build this close to the water anymore, but because this footprint is grandfathered in, and then it had basically been untouched. It was kind of a time capsule inside. I've changed a lot of things, but the outside was in really rough condition. So since I bought it, I think everybody from the neighborhood has come in and said, I looked at that place. So I don't know, <laughs> you know, because it is <laughs> quite, or it was quite scary. I'm hoping that I can finish up this spring and have it available. And this will be my first uh, single family property. Usually I just build for couples. So it's been really fun. Mm, that's awesome. So how many beds are in the property that you're in right now? So there's three floors that are staggered. And uh, the second floor is the kids room and there's four bunks. And then the bottom floor, the whole floor is the master suite. So it'll be like parents and four kids. Christy, you go from spot to spot to spot, site to site to sites, working on different sites and working on the builds. How involved are you in the builds and what do you do on a day-to-day -day basis? I'm basically a one-woman team, so I'm all of the build. Um, so yeah, I do, the last five years probably, I put about 57,000 miles on my truck every year from driving from the properties. They're mostly in the Pacific Northwest. And that kind of keeps me from doing anything east. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, d I don't know that I can travel that far. And then I'll go to Hawaii a couple times a year. But um, so basically like all my stuff, all my tools, everything's in my truck. And I'm just going back and forth. Like either there's an emergency or I'm in this area and I need to switch over from winter to spring, X, Y, Z. When I'm on a build, like right now, now at this property, I have Wi-Fi and power and I have frozen water at the moment, but I do have water, but I didn't have water for like six months, you know, so like no bathroom, no shower, none of things. So it's like going to the campground nearby. That's how it is. Usually I'm like living at the site and right about when it gets comfortable is when I'm done and it's ready to rent <laughs> to other people. I keep telling myself, I'm going to do the bathroom first. So I have like a shower. It never works out that way. So yeah, I'll just camp out. Um, I have beds in here now, but for months I just slept on the floor in a sleeping bag. And occasionally like I'll have a family member come up for, you know, hopefully a week or a few days and kind of help me. This property is in a town where my sister lives. So she's been a great help, but more or less it's just me. Sometimes I have to hire professionals, but it's not often. 
just like what's required. That's insane. So how'd you pick up all the skill sets to like do plumbing and electricals and, and, you know, understands the you know, local city regulations and things like that? Yeah. So my mom remodeled our houses growing up. Again, not like what you see on HGTV. We were, uh, my dad was a high school teacher, have a big family. There's eight of us. And my mom would fix up our kind of like tiny crummy home so that there were enough rooms for all of us. So we, the kids grew up having to help. And I don't know how my mom learned anything because there wasn't the internet. There wasn't a Home Depot in our town. So like, that's really mind boggling because I can look up anything on YouTube, right? So I had like a good base knowledge of like how things are constructed before I started doing it full time. And then, but even like how I learned plumbing and what plumbing is now is completely different. You used to have to solder pipes and now there's pecs. And so things are constantly changing. It's really exciting. But I also don't do the same sort of build because I, I like to learn. I like to do something new. So I went from a tree house, like building on stilts in the air to building inside of the mountain. You know, I was just like, what's the opposite of this? And then I go to the opposite of that. And so that's not the smart way to do it, but I find it really fulfilling. So I'm constantly having to learn. And it's just a, it's just a mix of calling people that I think might know and asking them a question, Googling, you know, looking up on YouTube, what I've done before. It's kind of just a big mix and trying to figure it out. And there's lots of things that don't work and you know, maybe on the 18th try, something does work. So, wow. So it sounds like that process of learning something new and building something from scratch, like is really fulfilling to you and interests you. Um, where does that come from? You talked a little bit about your mom. Yeah. But where does that come from? I feel like now the reason why you've been so successful, I mean, one of the reasons why you've been so successful is because everyone that books a stay at one of your properties feels like they're living in the piece of artwork that you built over weeks, months, and years. Yeah, I mean, I I hope that that's what they feel. I I do put like everything into it when people are like, hey, I want you to build that for me on my my land. I'm like, there is no way I could work this hard for anybody but myself. So it is a slog. I don't know where it comes from. I mean, I really like learning things and just like the creativity. It doesn't appeal to me to do, you know, 10 of the same thing. When I built the tree house and it was really successful, much to like everybody in my life's surprise. And they're like, put up 10 of them. What are you doing? And I'm like, oh, but I did that. Like, I don't really want to do that again. I want to do something else. And I thought it was a really bad business plan until COVID happened. And then it was a really smart plan to have things all scattered because different places shut down at different times and there were different rules and and Hawaii completely shut down for you know nearly two years. So that would have been catastrophic if I had put everything in that but I just kind of do the thing that I want to do and the potato for instance I did not think that that would go anywhere it was just totally my own dream something that I want to do and then it just is nuts how everybody loves it and how popular it is it just passed my fire lookout that I have in the panhandle for the most wished for on Airbnb the fire lookout has held that for like six years and now the potato just toppled it we talked about it being like 
your work of art. Every single property is is very different. Uh, I was going to say a little different, but they're actually very different. What are the other reasons why you think you've been able to be so successful so far? Because there's, I mean, hundreds of thousands of listings on Airbnb, right? But uh, I believe uh, you're known, you're widely known to be the most successful Airbnb host. Why do you think that is? I don't know, but I can tell you how I approach things. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely coming from my own curiosity and what I want to do. So I don't ever look at something like, oh, that would do really well. It's more like I want this is a specific kind of build. And it could just even be the kind of construction that I want to try. And then um, so I usually have like a build in mind. And then I go look for a landscape that matches that build and a location and I've learned a lot over the years with that part because my places are really rural. A lot of them are off grid and that's a whole, you know, different animal. But then I really engross myself in whatever the build is. So for the property that I'm on now, the shipwreck house, I'm not obsessed with pirates or anything like that. But I, while I'm here, I'm usually alone most of the time. So I'll be listening to like old classics like treasure island i'll i'll watch movies on the thing i'll i'll just really absorb anything i can that's even tangentially related or at the potato i read books on agriculture and it, they could be even fiction books on agriculture just to be like in that mindset and so little things will spark in my mind even if the book has you know nothing to really do with this I might even just like pick up a word that I didn't know and be able to put that in my guidebook so I think by completely immersing myself in that experience as I do the thing I think it pays off even though people don't know that that stay they most people that are seeing my places they have no idea that I build other places but I think that they can feel that when they're there because it's all the little details that come together that's amazing and uh, i forget if i told you this when we first met in october but actually just launched my first airbnb as well yeah <laughs> um, it's uh it's not as cool as yours but uh it's in the uh, first floor of my home right now it's actually right downstairs and we have guests in there right now but i was inspired by like the stuff that you were doing and how special you made your properties and actually I actually visited a, I forget the exact, I'll put it in the show notes, but it was a, like a historic home in the DC area with 300, uh, hidden doors in the home, in one home. And I was so inspired by that. Uh, and that was actually when we just hired the architect to help us design the space. And I was like, we got to put one of those hidden, uh, hidden doors into the space. And so now that's sort of like the signature piece or centerpiece of the entire Airbnb unit. Well, but what do you again, have in the room? What do you have behind the hidden door? It is a master suite. So cool. it's a bedroom with a bathroom. Yeah. Awesome. That's oh, really I'll fun. Some pictures. So yeah. You can check that. That's but. really cool. Back in the day, Pinterest, there was like a meme that was like, if you're a millionaire and you don't have a, a secret door what are you even doing which is like really funny but I'm also like you don't have to be a millionaire <laughs> like that's right uh, that does not equate that and I think a lot of times people are so like obsessed with like resell value that they don't we all just end up being living in beige boxes you know and I'm like if you are into something somebody else is going to be into that and I'm like there's 
hundreds of beige boxes on the internet for rent or for sale, but there's not houses shaped like ships, you know? So right. you'll find your people. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And it's definitely helped us stand out in the crowded market that is the Bay Area here. So, and, and you know, we're only 45 days into it so far, but it's been working out really, really well. So, cool. Yeah. So what would you say is a common mistake that you see people make, Kirsty, in building a business, building out a Airbnb units or building out and designing their life? I mean, I think I mean, that's three questions there, but I think there are themes to them as well. Right? Okay. Some of the things that I see people do, one is not being part of your demographic, like getting into the Airbnb space and wanting to do something unique because you see that the ROI is crazy but you've never stayed, you've never rented a tent or a dome or a whatever before, and you have zero desire to, I'm like, you're not going to be able to pull it off unless you are that person. Um, now all of my best friends all have Airbnbs because I've kind of like twisted their arm into it. But uh, one of my girlfriends, she finished a basement apartment and she lives in the Tetons here in Idaho. It's a really beautiful place, but it's like zero frills. It's the complete opposite of me. And it's budget friendly, but this is her. She's like, I just want a very clean, no nonsense place when she travels. And that's what she did. And she's booked out solid. But if she was trying to be me and do something, she would totally fail. And I would fail at that as well. So I see people like think like, oh, I, it's just putting up a tent and you're fine. And then those ones burn out so quickly because it does take more in a lot more than just what they're seeing and until you're part of that demographic you're not seeing all of those things so that i think is the first mistake when people are building i think there is some personalities or maybe even just when you're new to it that think like i can research my way out of not having any problems or any costly mistakes and that's just a, that's just setting yourself up for failure i go into a project just like know everything is going to go wrong. <laughs> I don't know what things are going to go wrong, but it's all going to go wrong, you know? And because I don't ever think that something is going to be minimal effort, I like the things that might get other people mad, like it doesn't even occur to me, you know, getting a flat tire. I'm like, yeah, of course I got a flat tire, <laughs> you know? So um, I think like having those expectations for construction, especially if you're going to be doing it yourself, just know like it's very frustrating and things are going to cost more and it's going to take longer. So yeah, I think that sometimes people will research, you know, for 20 hours on the right heater to put in here. And then for whatever reason, that one doesn't work. And then they get really upset and then just seems so much harder. And then I think like the last thing that I see in Airbnbs, I guess I would say, that when I'm traveling around, I stay in lots of places is sometimes people will find a place and then they'll just furnish it completely in like one trip to the store. So they'll go to like a home goods or something and fill the whole place with whatever was trendy that month of that store. And I think like you need like decorating wise, you need to have things that tell a story like you should share whatever you're passionate about, like the artwork should be special. You should have books in a place. You should have some old things in a place. I think when you put, especially if you have a new build and then you fill it with new things, it just feels a little soulless. And so, and I think it's one of the most fun things is picking 
things up as you go experience the world that you can keep adding to your space and making it more personalized. Yeah, that's so cool. So special. And I feel like that's a very stoic philosophy that you had there too, right? Like meditating on everything or just going into it and knowing that, hey, everything's going to go wrong, but expecting that and knowing that when that does go wrong, that's going to be okay. Where did you get that from? Because I feel like every founder, creator, entrepreneur could like really benefit from that. It's a good question. I mean, maybe it's from being poor for the first, you know, 25 years of my life, like, you know, pretty poor. I mean, I still feel very lucky. You know, I had two parents. My parents are still together. You know, I've got a great family and stuff, but um, we did not have means. So like the idea that you were going to have the proper gear for whatever, or um, it was just very much like an improvised household uh, one of my sister-in-laws tells a story of my mom babysitting one of the nieces who had a soccer game and they couldn't find her um shin pads i'm probably getting the words wrong and so my mom just took magazines and shoved them in her socks and like sent her out onto the field and that's like my sister-in-law's quintessential story about like the wolves like this is how the wolves roll like figure it out and go <laughs> so that's kind of i mean how how I was brought up, I guess. I That's what I would attribute it to. However, I don't know. The older I get, I think like everything is uh, nature and not nurture. <laughs> that's, that I don't know if that's true, but like there's six kids in my family. We're all so different, you know? So I can say, you know, my parents let me do whatever I wanted to my room. My mom's super creative and, and, you know, didn't like shy away from different things. And so maybe that gave me the confidence to do it. But in the end, out of six kids, I'm the only one that does this for a living. And I have four strong brothers that are much more equipped to do this than me. So it's hard to say. I could, I could be sitting here and tell you, well, yeah, I lived in a, my parents never let me do anything. And I had to have matching comforter set. And so when I moved out, I just wanted color. You know, it's hard to, I think you fill in the blanks looking back. And I just don't know that any of it's actually true. That makes a lot of sense. Definitely is like a blend of both, right? And different people adapt differently to to yeah. different ways of growing up growing. And your different personality, like, yeah, we can, we were all raised in the same household with the same parents. And just like, because our personalities are different, different things stuck with us in different ways. So it's so yeah. interesting. You have a portfolio of very successful properties. Now you're, you know, wrapping up this one that you're calling in from right now. Um, and, but now we just started working on a crowdfunding project together for your next property. Like you can talk as much or as little about it as you want. So like why crowdfunding? And um, yeah, what are the reasons why you decided to approach crowdfunding? And the reason why I ask is because I think there's a kind of a big misconception about crowdfunding where a lot of people think, oh, it's for you know people just starting out. But that's obviously not the case for you. So tell me a little bit more about that thought process. Right. Even with the portfolio that I have and doing this, I think, for... 12 years now like this is all I've done um I still can't I'll be last out of a bank if I want money to put a potato hotel in 
you, you know, <laughs> the outskirts of Boise. Nobody is going to invest in that. And so it doesn't matter what it looks like on paper. I, I get so jealous. I listen to like how I built this podcast and stuff and, and read these different uh, business books, like, like uh, Ben and Jerry's, like these couple of hippies at the bank gave them money to do this ice cream project. That's just not the case anymore. The bank is not going to give you money unless you put up all of your collateral. They'll give you as much money as you don't need, right? And so that's always been hard for me. I mean, I don't come from money. I have I have built a place, reinvested the profits of that to build my next place. I do all the work myself to keep the costs down. And that's the only way I've been able to do the things that I have. So I think... The crowdfunding does a couple of things, gets you that money so that I could move faster. So if I wasn't able to crowdfund and I was doing this project, which is a kind of a bigger project that is this next build, and I could do it, but I'd have to do it a lot slower in a lot smaller phases. And this would allow me to do it all at once and have um, a really cool thing in a short amount of time instead of this being a decade long thing um, by waiting for the money to come in to do it. And that's the other thing with Airbnb. I love it, but I also have hundreds of thousands of dollars in bookings that are just sitting there, but I don't get the money until the guest stays. So it's trickles in every day, but you, it's not like you get to say, okay, well, I'm going to take that 300,000 and put it into my next build. So that's what I think is really cool about the crowdfunding thing. And I also think I I always uh, post my builds on Instagram stories, like kind of document it. And so um, there's a lot of people that uh, I basically have a community of people that I share that with other people that are doing these things. So I think it'll be really fun to let them in on a build and be able to be the people that are making this happen. And it, I also look at it kind of like Shark Tank, like just going on Shark Tank, even if they don't take your thing, it's just marketing, right? So not only do you get to raise the money, but you get to market this place for months before it opens, which I think is really cool. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that, Christy, because uh, actually I just uh, had another podcast recording with a gentleman named Alex Lieberman, who is the founder and uh, and the first CEO of Morning Brew, and now he's the executive chairman. And uh, he talks a lot about building in public, you know, and how that led to him finding an operator for his business and him finding a partner like LaunchBoom and him finding his uh, attorneys that helped set up his LLC, etc. And uh, crowdfunding is just one of the ways to build in public and rally your community together and essentially marketing as you are building versus what most other people do, which is build, 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 and then hope that the people come when it, you're finished building. So right. I, I, I love that. Um, so what, I mean, now that you have uh, a, a bunch of properties, very special that is, you know, generating income for you um, and has uh, satisfied a lot of the, uh, is what it sounds like innate need to create like what keeps you uh, doing all of this like you mentioned it's really hard work I mean I saw contractors work in my home it's really tough stuff um, 
yeah, why do you keep doing this? Yeah, I'd, I'd say like as long as it's still fun and I am physically able to do it, I think I'll do it. There's also so many other things that I would love to do. I like what I love about Airbnb is that it touches on so much of like my ADD brain. I, I'm not ADD. I don't know if I'm ADD. Undiagnosed. But like I have so many passions and um so like being able to do the build work with my hands being able to do marketing i really like that the customer service and hospitality part is like after you're all done you still get to do this and create this whole guest experience and you know people get engaged and married and have baby moons at my house and stuff so like just being able to be involved in these like special times in their lives i don't know what other career i could do that would hit on so many of those things. So for now, um, I'm going to keep doing this until, yeah, I I find something else, I get bored or, um, or I just physically can't. But so far it's been about 12 years and uh, it's uh, been really fun. That's beautiful. So from the outside looking in, you know, people might say, wow, you know, Christy started from nothing, but she's so successful now. Every time she, you know, steps up, she knocks it out of the park every time. Right. And obviously that is not true. <laughs> like, um, having built a business myself before and working with a lot of uh, business owners, I mean, it's just a lot of many failures along the way that you overcome, right? Like what we talked about earlier, you, you go into them expecting those many failures along the way. Um, can you tell the audience and myself a little bit of like a scenario where you had a pivotal moment in your life where it's, uh, was looked like a major failure at the time, but ultimately shaped you positively down the line? All the painful ones. I, I still haven't seen the silver lining up, <laughs> um, but there's still a lot of failures that hurt. Um, and it is it's enjoyable but it is a slog you know it it definitely it, it is a constant like well that didn't work that didn't work that didn't work and going on the thing that is the most difficult for me is um working with different counties and cities and trying to build something unique that's just not how the um building code is set up is not for unique things that's definitely the hardest and it's not even really the um building it's the zoning so planning and zoning when you're doing this and i've worked with lots of different ones there's a very big ranges of how helpful and um or not helpful they can be that's definitely the hardest so that you know when i think about like what was the most painful part when i had done the potato so I used to be a spokesperson for Idaho Potatoes. I It was kind of a joke <laughs> that completely changed my life. So I went for a job at a potato factory in my early 20s. I thought it was going to be temporary. I mean, it was temporary. I worked there for about a year, maybe a year and a half. But um, they were like, I don't think you're going to fit in here. And I was like, tell me why. <laughs> and the interviewer was like, didn't you say you owned a clothing store, which I had, and um, I had a partner and he got divorced. And so we had to close it down. Thought it was going to be temporary. I made a list of places I wanted to work. The first one was a library. Found out very quickly you had to have a library science degree. I'm like a high school dropout. Thought that was silly. And my next one was working at a potato factory because 
I grew up around, you know, I'm Idaho born. I grew up around like getting out of school for harvest time, but my dad's a teacher, so I never worked harvest. And so I was like, and I've read all of the books of J.R. Simplot and stuff like that. So I'm like, I want to work at this potato factory and I really like the factory work. So um, when I had talked to that interviewer that I thought I crushed the interview and then I got no call back um, and I was asking him, he's like, didn't you like sell high hills? I'm like, I owned a clothing store. It's kind of different. He's like, we have really long shifts here. I'm like, entrepreneurs work more than three days a week. I can handle that. And so we went through all the list. And then I think they gave me like the worst job at the factory thinking I would not uh, last very long. Anyways, I'm a big potato fanatic. At the time, I was doing some social media work for a couple of companies and some friends saw an ad that we have this huge semi truck that has a giant six ton potato on it, travels all around the country and you go do fun stuff and talk to people about potatoes. It's just like a rolling spectacle. That's the whole job. You're like a paid tourist. And so somebody sent it to me like, ha ha, this is so you. And I was like, I'm absolutely applying for that. And so I went out 2014, I think. And the truck was only supposed to go for a year and it kept going because it was crazy popular and it's still on the road today. But because I thought it was going to be retired, I'm like, I could make this potato into a hotel. And at that time I hadn't even built, I built my treehouse between tours. So I hadn't even built anything yet, but I've been like, you know, begging for this potato. And so when they finally upgraded to a smaller fiberglass one, I was like, Hey, potato commission. Remember me? Now I have like several successful Airbnbs. What are you guys going to do with that? And I had to like go into the meeting and they voted on it. And then they gifted me the potato. And I had like the long history of potatoes. And like when we would travel, my girlfriends would be like, people think that Idaho is the greatest place on earth because talking to you, I'm like, it is, (laughs) it is so great. And so the potato commission ended up like when they when we launched it on earth day i think in 2019 they track everything um online and so just on news coverage they got the equivalent to like two million dollars of press in the first week with doing this thing so again i thought i'm gonna have to charge less this one you know all my other places have spectacular views and are really beautiful and this is a russet potato by train tracks and it just like went gangbusters never could have predicted it so i think just you know following what i want to be doing and and think like is this something that i want to do for the next six months and then if the answer is yes i just go and and do that thing and hope that there will be others that buy in to that yeah the uh authenticity and and building for yourself i think you know uh, i asked you like what are the mistakes that you see people make in business and in life etc i feel like a lot of people do things for not to satiate their inner like longing but like for other people or for money or whatever reasons um they might have but not necessarily for themselves so i feel like um that's a really fantastic example of it. And people come to me with like ideas of like, oh, well, we want to build X, Y, Z, you know, and like, just do, you'll make so much money and then you can do, I'm like, then I can do exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm not going to be 
sidetracked. I get to do the thing that I want to do. So why would I pivot? Because even if I had all the money, I would still be using it all for this thing. You would be doing what you're doing now anyway. So why not just keep doing that? Right. So what does a great day look like for you, Christy? I don't have a very much routine because I'm on the move so much. The best that I can hope for is, you know, I'll go on a walk with my dog, typically do that every day. Um, because I'm in such rural areas, there's not a lot of food and I'm a really picky eater. And then lots of times I don't have water and stuff to be able to cook myself. So at some point in the day, I'll go into town and get a meal. So I'm just eating that one. So good food, a walk, if the weather is good, that's amazing. But the days that I like love the most is when I come up with like a new idea or a way to do something and then spend so much time researching and reaching out to people and figuring out how I can make this thing a reality. One of the recent ones is this cocoon cottage that I have on the Oregon coast. I had completely thought I would embrace it being in Oregon and do like Pendleton stuff, like Oregon brand things. And then once I was living there, I'm like, it's on the coast. So it's like really lush and really beautiful. And uh, there's deer and bunnies everywhere. And I was like, oh no, I need to go. I, I ended up pivoting so much more like cottagey. And I had the idea of there's like resin art. Sometimes it's jewelry where somebody will put a flower in resin, like the size of like a dime. And I was uh, had the idea like I would want to do that for my shower. So big plates of glass. I couldn't find anybody who had done it online. <laughs> and so I was reaching out to like, people on Etsy flowers, people that did resin stuff, you know, and everybody's like, ah, good luck, you know? And so, but having that idea and then spending hours, probably all day trying to figure out how I could do it, like that's the best day ever. That's awesome. That's so cool. Are there things that you do on a regular basis that upgrades your emotional well-being and your health? You talked about walks with your dog. Yeah, that's an interesting idea because I wouldn't, I, like, I haven't had a gym membership. <laughs> I haven't had healthcare. I just turned 40. So um, in in some regards, you would be, like, not the healthiest. But I think my lifestyle bakes in some of the main things, which is I'm usually outside for the vast majority of the day. Right now, December, in, or, I mean, I guess it's not December, February in Idaho is not the greatest time to be outdoors, but like having fresh air like that, I have that in spades. I'm in nature every day. And then my job is quite physical. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not at a desk. I get to move around. And then, yeah, I eat really high quality, good food, hopefully. <laughs> like then I'm all grungy and I go into like the nicest place there is and people are celebrating their anniversaries. I'm like, can I sit over there? <laughs> And then order like the nicest meal. So I do eat high quality food. And then I think just my lifestyle. Also, I have like a lot of quiet time, um, times of reflection. It's just all built into the job, which is really nice. Because um, I think what I do for a living like keeps me healthy. However, this year I had a big birthday. So I turned 40 and I'm like, uh, my New Year's goal is to like, tackle health things i still fine but i'm going to go get the pre body scan in san francisco next month 
um, which should be interesting. I just think it's really cool. I might get LASIK. We'll see. Um, so I'm like checking off that I have never done. We'll see how that goes. That's awesome. Well, um, LASIK, my, uh, my wife got LASIK surgery before we went to, and were huge like swimmers and snorkelers and stuff. And she said that's the single best investment she's ever made. Nobody ever regrets it, right? I The thing that I'm thinking is why well, one have to wear glasses for two. I don't even own glasses. I just ordered glasses as the first step. Um, I've worn contacts since I was like 12. So I had to wear glasses, which isn't conducive to construction, really. So I had to find a, a gap where I have like two weeks that I can just wear glasses and then go in for the surgery. So that's going to be the that's the main thing that's keeping me from putting it on the schedule. Right. <laughs> that's so funny that you never wore glasses growing up. Oh. Um, <laughs> and like that, that two weeks is your major hurdle. It and, is. For music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for other people, it's usually other reasons, right? But I feel like there's so many parts of uh, yourself and your life that is so unique to you. It's it's so, so special. When I called in to the LASIK gal... She was like, well, what's your prescription, your glasses prescription? I'm like, I don't have one. And she's like, you have to have one to get this because that's like what we go off of. And I'm like, so I have to go in and get a prescription. And then I have to get glasses just to get my eyes fixed. And she's like, yes, <laughs> when you, that's not normally a hurdle. Yes, that is what you're going to have to do. I'm like, okay. That's so funny. The other thing too, uh, Christy, while you're in town in San Francisco, there's an incredible like health clinic. Um called forward health and uh it's a they say it's a different way to uh, see a doctor and uh, i highly highly recommend it um you go in they do a full body scan they've been do full blood panel on you and then they give you trackers to track like your everyday activity and health and they're way more holistic about it it's all about preventative care than like treating sickness so i i love that i'm gonna look it up i I was had a blood panel as one of the things, but a lot of the blood panel stuff is like seems maybe a little sus. Like I know a lot of people that get in, they're like, I have every disease known to man. <laughs> like, okay, that seems that seems weird. So like being able to get a reputable one, uh, I think would be really interesting. And the intake for Prenovo, I'm probably saying that wrong, Prenovo. Um, they made you like do your health history your parents health history your siblings and your like first cousins so my mom comes from uh she has 10 siblings my dad has five and then my family's huge and doing that i'm like oh we have no cancer in our family you know everybody's like living to be real old <laughs> so i like and not the healthiest lifestyles I'm like, I, I feel pretty good about going in there. I feel, I feel like it was worth it just doing that intake. I'm like, I feel healthier already. Yeah, so much of it is in your head too. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, no, I, I think I, I actually got a blood panel done recently too. And the, the doctor kind of just went through and said, oh, good, 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 good. You're within the range. But like, well, what, what, what does it mean? Like, where am I in the range and how can I further improve it? You know, for like my body weights, my age, you know, it's exactly. like that's I feel like that is much more important. Like by the time I'm out of the range, it's a little too late. Right. Yeah. So. Where am I slipping? What can I do to improve? For sure. Exactly. That's exciting. Yeah. I'm excited for you too, for LASIK and <laughs> knowing how much of a positive impact that it had on my wife. 
and uh and then you know just for the the health checkup as well to give you that extra confidence yeah. boost so we're almost up on time here i feel like i talked to you forever christy uh really really appreciate you like sharing your time and like your insights and your knowledge with every all of the different listeners here uh at launch boom um a couple other questions before we wrap up uh are there any books youtube videos or pieces of content that uh, you would say has really impacted your life? I love books. Um, you know, since I'm on the road so much, since I'm alone so much, I, I listen to Audible like crazy. Um, so there's been there's been a lot. Uh, the first pivotal one, I don't even know if this is worth reading because I read it so long ago. I read the whole thing in Barnes & Noble and it's called like Off the Wall Marketing. And it was just like a book having all these creative marketing things. So it's just like thousands of creative uh, things. And that like really opened my eyes to be like, oh, I love marketing. I am really interested in that. And like the more creative, the better. Four Hour Work Week was really pivotal when that came out. And I think, I think probably I got, I can't remember which one I read first, Vagabonding or Four Hour Work Week. But the idea, because being like a poor kid, I think a lot of poor kids are like, I'm going to be rich, you know, like that is a huge motivator so that you can like take care of everybody. But in Rolf Potts Vagabonding, he talks like you don't want to be a millionaire. You want to live like a millionaire. Now, a million is not crazy, right? But, or not that crazy, I guess, not that inconceivable, but the idea. And so I don't know which book it was, but like thinking about what my rich life would be. And it was like, oh, I'd have an a house cleaner. Now I live in a tiny house and that would be ridiculous. Um, I'd be embarrassed to just ask somebody to clean that, even though I still might need it. And then like my other big thing was like going, uh, taking my girlfriends on trips, but now I get to do like really cultivated, creative trips and they get to just show up and it's really fun. And then having fresh flowers and flowers are not that expensive. And so uh, at that time I was like working at the potato factory and I'm like, I can have this life right now so that was a really big epiphany to me lately in the whole self-development i think like the best book i've read in the last five years in that genre kind of got burned out on it was atomic habits i think is a fantastic one but yeah there's there's still there's so many on different things like the because i'm picking stuff for my bills i end up reading lots of weird stuff that i you know wouldn't have otherwise so, uh, yeah, it's hard to deduce. I just listened to a book on my drive out here yesterday that was called Unreasonable Hospitality. And it's about the restaurant business, but there's not a lot of books about hospitality in the Airbnb sense. There's a couple hotel books. There's quite a few books by chefs. And I find that there's like a lot of overlap to be gained there and they're creating an experience. It's kind of the same thing. So, yeah, it's some of them that's wonderful that's wonderful you know it's funny christy is like the four-hour work week um is what kick-started the start of my last business as well <laughs> and my de- well it was you know i'm first generation so growing up very similar to probably the way that you grew up uh with very little and um and you know want to be you know financially stable not even to be super rich or anything just to be financially stable and um 
like the way that the book was marketed, it was like, oh, you could actually financial stability or financial freedom and uh, can be reached in a fairly reasonable way. And I think if it, I'm obviously ended up being way more than four hours a week, but if it did anything for me, it sounds like it did for you too, is like, it just puts you into a more abundant mindset because now, you know, Hey, like this is my dream lifestyle. I can actually have that without working for 40 years and needing to get to retirement before I do those things. And I think that's like a lot of the overlapping theme between vagabonding and the four hour work. Yeah. Just that reframing. I think anybody that's a huge fan of it, I don't know anybody that works four hours actually um, work way more than anybody that has a, a, has a job. But I, I do think that reframing of, you know, like that when he talks about, well, when you're retired, what are you going to do anyway? And so it's just like living in, this is what I want to be doing. You know, like that was a huge uh, shift for me. And then, yeah, realizing like, can you do the things? Also, one of my very earliest dreams was to be able to have houses in different locations, which again, you would think that you would have to be super duper rich. And now I actually do have houses in lots of beautiful locations all over. And it's, you know, in such a different way, because when I was dreaming of that, Airbnb wasn't a thing. You know, Christy, again, really appreciate your time today and like your vulnerability and um, willingness to share so much uh, publicly. Um, where can uh, listeners and people find you online? Uh, you have a course, a free course on YouTube, um, and they could find that at ChristyWolf.com. It's Wolf with an E at the end, right? Um, where else can people find you? And is there any asks you have of the list? I think all my socials are Christy May Wolf. Each, each name has an E on the end. I'm probably most active on TikTok now. And uh, contrary to, I think, what everybody thinks, I love social media. <laughs> I think it's, I think the way in which you use it, I get so much inspiration and I've met so many, you know, amazing people and connections and then end up meeting them in real life that we met on like Instagram or something. So yeah, anybody can reach out to me in those places. A lot of time I'm out of service. So, you know, if I get to you, I get to <laughs> sort of a situation. And as far as ask, I don't think I have an ask. I think like what my overall like message would be is to like build your life however you want. I live like a pretty unconventional life compared to my friends and it's perfect for me and the the thing that I think I get the most like question wise um, online is it kind of seems like people are just like wanting me to give them permission to do the crazy thing that they've been wanting to do. And I'm like, you don't need permission. If like, nobody is there to give you permission, you can just actually do the thing. Like we're adults. I tell my nieces all the time, like, oh my gosh, you're going to love being an adult. You can just do whatever you want. And I think like sometimes people have like so much responsibilities and stuff that they don't realize like, yeah, you get to just, I mean, you can have dessert for breakfast. Nobody, you get to do whatever you want. And it seems like a lot of people are keeping themselves in boxes that are totally unnecessary. That is beautiful, Christy. What, what's a message? And I, you know, it's looking at my phone right now because there's a podcast, the Tim from the Tim Ferriss show <laughs> that I listened to recently from the famed explorer, Wade Davis. Um, 
And uh, he said exactly that, you know, people reach out to people like yourself and Wade Davis all the time saying, hey, this is my idea or this is my product or this is my, you know, property that I'm going to build. What do you think? And people are just asking for affirmation, really, to give them permission to do what they like really internally want to do. So I really love that, Christy, and thank you for hitting that point home. That's wonderful. Well, this was really fun. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about your podcast. I can't wait to listen to everybody else. Yeah, thank you. Hey, hope you enjoyed that podcast. If you did, I think you'll really enjoy our other podcasts as well. You can find the other podcasts on Apple Podcasts or by visiting launchboom.com forward slash podcast. You can also sign up for a free newsletter. You can learn how to bring your product idea to life with crowdfunding in just five minutes a week. We send one no BS email every Tuesday. You can sign up at launchboom.com forward slash newsletter. Finally, please leave us a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Every review makes a massive difference because it allows more people to benefit from the experiences of our incredible guests. Thank you so much for listening.